Welcome to this episode of Profess Hers, a podcast about movies, music, history, pop culture, current events, and literature, all discussed through the perspective of women's issues and feminism. I'm Allegra, and you know I used to teach high school. I do know that. And my students used to call me a witch all the time. I think you were mishearing them. <laughs> I, I see what you did there. Uh, no, they. a lot of my students also spoke Spanish, so they called me the Spanish word for witch, which I'm probably going to not pronounce totally correctly, bruja. Yeah. And one of them, their mom, like, painted signs and things as a side job, and they had this big sign painted for my classroom that said Miss Davis, and it had a big witch hat on it. <laughs> so um, I think some of it had to do with my laugh, which... Is a cackle? Is a cackle, to be sure. Um, but I'll just say the rest of it was lighthearted joking. And I'm Misty, and to my knowledge, I've never been called a witch. I've been called a lot of other things, but not a witch. Yeah. Never. As far as I know. Yeah, I, I, there's just, like, there's an aesthetic or, like, there's, like, a vibe. You don't have a witchy I guess vibe. not. You don't. I feel like I do. I can see that. a witchy vibe. I don't know what it is. So today we are talking about? It's our first of two episodes on witches, and if we had to divide the two episodes, I would say this is more historical. Yes. And next week's is more hysterical. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Which isn't to say yeah. funny, but more yeah. of women being I got it. mistreated and called hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so it has to do with history. So yay, history. has been warming up her voice. Oh, I'm so excited. So we're going to talk about the height of the witch hunts in Europe and then bring that to America. So do you want to guess when this occurred? The 14 to 1700s. It's not fair if you look at the notes. <laughs> It's just not. I had a rough idea because I do know when Macbeth was written, and in a minute oh. I'm going to talk about Macbeth. Okay. So so it takes place all across Europe, which I think most people don't fully understand. Like, we have Spanish witches, and we have Swedish witches. and Swedish? Yeah. Witches? Yeah. We have Russian witches. That I can see. So it's all over. In 1484... Pope Innocent is going to condemn witchcraft, and he's going to have two of the inquisitors write like the manual, the Hammer of Witches, on how to identify a witch and what we should do if we find one. I'm sorry, it was called the Hammer of Witches? Yes. That sounds amazing. So this has been described as the most vicious and most damaging book in all of world literature. Okay, I just thought it had a catchy title. I'm not in favor of the most damaging (laughs) book in all of world literature. It has, in the time that it was being published, it was second for two centuries only to the Bible in numbers sold. Wow. So not only do we like really believe in witches, but we think they're like a constant threat. So it's a book on how to spot them and how to... And what should be done. So it's like a dummy's guide too. Oh my gosh. Or a field guide if you want to think of it that way. So I want to give you the biblical justification of why we're so concerned about witches because I do think that's important. Yeah. So Exodus 22.18 roughly says, you shall not allow a witch to live. And Leviticus 20.27 says, a man also or a woman that hath a familiar spirit or is a wizard shall surely be put to death. Oh. So they took this as almost like a commandment from God that they had to root out these witches. Does it ever define 
what a witch is other than to say a person who has a familiar spirit? No, that's why we needed the book. Okay, so the Bible does not give you a more distinct definition of witch. Not really, no. Okay. But that's where the book And when they in. say familiar spirit, they don't mean a spirit that you're familiar with. They mean like a cat. Yes, yes. Or bat. <laughs> yeah, something. Okay. So we think that about 100,000 people were put on trial. In Europe. In Europe for being witches. And somewhere between forty to 50,000 were found guilty and executed. That's a lot. It's a lot. And the vast majority that were executed are going to be women, 75%. Yeah. But Russians, weirdly, are the exception. They have more male witches accused than female witches. That's interesting. That's I don't know why that would be. One idea is that because in Russia, being a witch was a civil, not a criminal matter. Okay. So it's easier to take a man to court. Because <laughs> he's more of a person. Yes. Yeah. So it's an interesting exception, but we don't really know why. Yeah. So let me just make sure I understand. Sure. Pope says we got to get rid of witches. Right. We have a couple Bible verses that say witches should be killed. Yes. Get rid of witches. Not a lot of detail about what exactly makes a person a witch. Right. Which means... Open to interpretation. We can really just make up what we think is a witch. Yes. And that, I think, is something that continues into the Salem witch trials. Yes. We can just kind of make up what we think witchcraft is. Although once that book is published, that is really like the manual. The hammer of witches. Yeah, it kind of nails it down. Do they still sell copies of that? You know, I didn't try to buy one. (laughs) I didn't want to support that. So some of the things that could identify you as being a witch would be to have a devil's mark, which is some tangible sign that you have had contact with the devil. It could be a third nipple. It could be a birthmark. It could be hair growing in a weird spot. So any bodily imperfection. Which most people have. Which almost everyone has. Yes. Something. Yes. And then uh, if you were... You can buy it on Amazon for $28. That's not too bad. The Hammer of Witches, a complete translation of the Malleus Maleficarum, which I'm glad Misty didn't attempt to say. (laughs) Yes. Um, you can buy on Amazon. If I don't you know. Need to identify witches in your life. I can't speak to its historical accuracy, but it looks like it's the translation of the original book. So, you have a weird mark. Okay, then another sign: you're female. If you're female, you're more likely to be a witch. Yeah. If you were too poor to support yourself and a burden on society, you might be a witch. These are starting to sound like Jeff Foxworthy jokes, except like not funny. But also, if you are too wealthy and single and don't have any male heirs, you might be a witch. Because how did a woman get all of that wealth? This is honestly starting to just sound like a way to get rid of people <laughs> who are a burden to or make other people uncomfortable. Do you have a lot of female friends? Because that could be a sign that you're in a coven. Do those female friends sometimes fight? Because witches fight with each other. So do normal people. Yes. Are you very, very old or very, very young? Also signs of being a witch. Very, very young or very, very old. Which, by the way, everyone is both of those things. At some point. If you're lucky, at some point in your life. Yeah, we had people as young as like three and four years old accused of being a witch. So do you think this was just like a catch-all because we didn't have a lot of scientific understanding of things like learning disorders or developmental problems. We didn't have a lot of understanding of mental health issues. And we didn't have anyone else to attribute misfortunes to, so we just kind of 
blamed it all on witches? I think that's part of it. I'm going to give you one more sign you might be a witch, then we can talk about that. The last one, and this is a critical one. Are you a midwife? Interesting. So midwives are more likely to be accused of being witches, especially if a child dies during childbirth. And if you were a grieving parent, you could understand that, right? Sure. You wouldn't want to blame yourself for something that happened. Right. So it's easier to blame this external person. So historians have asked, why did this happen when it happened? And why was it so widespread? So I'm going to give you all of the answers historians have come up with. Okay. And we're still talking about European witch hunts? Okay. Yes. But this, some of this will transfer to... Sure. So the first thing is, like you were saying, we don't have an understanding of actual illnesses, mm-hmm. like seizures, yeah, or mental illnesses, schizophrenia. Yeah. So Or even depression or... Right. So without a way to explain those things, doctors would sometimes say, well, there's nothing physically wrong with you that I can find. You must be bewitched. And now you have a diagnosis. I just imagine going to a doctor and being like... It's It's, a witch. You're a witch. Or a witch got you. Witch got you. Yeah. So the other thing people have said is that one reason we believe they're witches is because people confessed. People confessed to being witches. Why would you confess if you aren't actually a witch? Because some people who did confess... Could be redeemed. Were were able to apologize and pray a lot, and they were able to at least not be executed. Right. Right. So it was a false confession. Same reason people falsely confess to crimes all the time. There's okay. a weird power dynamic with the people asking you questions. They have too much control over your future. You have no power, so you confess because you want to get out of this terrible situation. And also in the Inquisition, they're torturing people. Okay. They're literally torturing confessions out of people, and then they kill them. <sighs> she said she's a witch, guys. Let's burn her. All right, uh, demographic changes and social changes. So this is big. We have Black Death, which kills off a third of Europe. We have the end of the feudal system. We have the rise of enlightenment. So a bunch of new ideas, a death of a third of the people you may be new. And then on top of all of that, we found the new world. So people are really like, what is happening? Right. And if you think like your life is so grounded in this medieval Christian world, and you think you know everything there is to know about the world around you. Yeah. And now we found a brand new place, and you have to completely realign your worldview. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. And so maybe you can't control that happening, but you can keep witches out of your town. So mm-hmm. it's a way to reestablish some of your yeah. own agency and control. There's also a major weather event called the Little Ice Age. When you say the Little Ice Age, it sounds like a cute little... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, except it's killing crops and people are starving. But other than that. So it's not cute at all. No. The Inquisition is happening. You have female rulers. So Elizabeth, um, you look. So what you're telling me is some women got some power (laughs) and it made people. Which is very uncomfortable. Which is. So we have to find a way to persecute women to make sure those ladies don't get any ideas about being equal. Exactly. Does that make sense now? Yep. <laughs> totally clear. Well, do you want to talk about Shakespeare before we go to the New World? Uh, I do. Okay. I do. Uh, about 90 years before the Salem Witch Trials, uh, Shakespeare wrote the play Macbeth. And this is probably, other than The Crucible, which we will talk about later, probably the most famous piece of literature that has witches that I can think of. 
So in Macbeth, there are three. Are you familiar with Macbeth? Yeah, but you know, until we started talking about it today, I always considered like the wife as like the main character, and I never really considered the witches. So I knew they were there. I just forgot about them. Yeah, they're definitely not a main character, but they play an important role. They there are three witches. They're sometimes called the Weird Sisters. In original translations, they were called the Wayward Sisters. I think I like Wayward better. Yeah. So they kind of set the tone in the play, the tone being a moral ambiguity, right? Like it's hard to tell what's right and what's wrong. Right. And they use subtle manipulation to persuade Macbeth to kill Duncan. And they speak some of the most famous lines in the play. Fair is foul and foul is fair. And that's that moral... Yeah, ambiguity. we're flipping everything upside down. And then, of course, a double, double toil and trouble, which has been turned into a song and people, yeah, they, they sing it in being Shakespeare. It is. They sing it in Harry Potter, uh, the the choir in the wizardry school. So they famously tell us that their focus is to kind of muddy the waters of moral and right. ethical grounds. And they're not there to help. Right. Because witches are so subversive, it was also subversive of Shakespeare to give these characters that much power without irony and without, at some point in the play, punishing them. So they were powerful women. A lot of people relate them to the fates, the three fates. Yes, yes. So they had a lot of power. They had some famous lines in the play, and Shakespeare didn't kill them off. You know what I mean? He didn't punish them for being within the play. Um, Some readings of the play also suggest that the play itself underscores the positive idea of female power, the power of women who work together. And other readings say that it underscores the negative ideas that women manipulate, coerce, or trick men in shadowy and deceitful ways. And I understand both of those perceptions of the play. I'm not a huge Shakespeare scholar, but I have obviously read Macbeth. And Isn't some that kind of like you have to to teach Literary English? criticisms of it. So, yeah, I mean, they are powerful women, and they do have some degree of control over what happens in the play. But at the same time, it does kind of underscore that idea that if women have power, it's because they are manipulating or coercing, or doing things deceitfully. So then Salem witch trials happened. Actually, no. Then the Hartford, Connecticut witch panic happened. That sounds boring. It's really interesting. So we imported all of our ideas about witches from Europe. Yeah. And then the Puritans get a hold of them. And the Puritans do what they did, which was make everything better. Of course. So what do you know about Puritans? They wore hats. Good. <laughs> um, I think those hats had a buckle. Okay. So you're thinking of the Quaker Oats guy. Uh, I'm really just thinking about like the first Thanksgiving okay. visual imagery that I am familiar with. So Puritans want to create a pure... Christian theocracy. Okay. They have come to the new world not for religious freedom, which is what we sometimes tell people. I really thought that's what it was. So, well, the freedom for only their religion. If you're a Quaker and you show up in a Puritan community, they will kill you. You are not supposed so to be Puritans there. The Puritans were not interested in the freedom of religion. No. They were interested only in their, their religion. Religion, which yeah. was very pure. Sure. Well, what I mean by that is 
I don't know if you can say I'll kill someone of another religion, and but also I'm pure. Well, they would. So they follow the Bible very literally. They don't celebrate Christmas because Christmas as a day of rest and celebration is not in the Bible. So we don't do that. But Christmas was celebrated prior to the 1600s. Yeah, but not by Puritans. Interesting. So they left, they actually left England and went to Holland because Holland actually had religious toleration. But then some of their kids joined some other churches and they're like, oh no, this is not working. So we have to find a completely new place where nobody's going to steal our kids away from us. So England wasn't religious enough. Right. Holland was too pluralistic. So let's go to the new world where we can very tightly control everyone in our town. Okay, so I'm guessing that women were treated as equals <laughs> in Puritan society. In Puritan society, women cannot even be church members. Uh, what are you supposed to do? You still have to go all the time. Yeah. And you still have to help out and stuff. But only the adult male of the household could be a church member. So your church membership is under whoever is your head of household. I'm already ready to become a witch <laughs> in Puritan America. I'm already. So women are... Literally second-class citizens. Mm -hmm. They're literally not like treated like adults. They're also very heavily confined into the home because there's so many chores to do. Obviously. I mean, they get up at the crack of dawn. They go to sleep very late. But they are constantly working. You also are expected to be at church anytime the doors are open. So if you've ever been to any little New England town, the church is at the center. And we built all of our houses around the church mm -hmm. so we can always be there. That could be five times a week in some cases. But you got to be there. Because if you're not going to church, something's wrong with you. And we're all going to notice. And we're all paying attention. Women should be quiet and submissive. <laughs> and really, if you think about what these little girls have to look forward to in their lives, the only thing they have is that they're going to be wives and mothers. We're not sending them to college. Now, I'll give this to parents. They did teach their daughters to read. We have the highest literacy rate among women anywhere in the world at this point in Puritan communities. But that was so they could read the Bible. And it's because they have little brains and they can be easily tricked by false leaders. So you have to teach your daughter how to read the Bible so that she doesn't get tricked with her little girl brain. So we were ahead of the world in teaching women to read. Because of the most backward thinking around. For yes. a stupid reason. And that's pretty much it. Right. So these roles for women are very, very tightly assigned. So if you think about... What happens if you weren't married? Oh, no, that's not. No. What happens like if your husband died? Well, most of the time, unless you're older, you're going to get remarried probably. Or you're going to go live with a male relative. Is this the time when, like, if your husband died, his brother would marry you? No, no, okay. we're past that. Okay. I mean, there might be cases where that happened, but not by custom. Okay. I mean, we're living in villages with, like, 150 people. You might end up marrying your dead husband's brother just because there's no there, he's there. <laughs> okay. Right. So if a woman steps outside of that role that we have assigned for her in any way, shape, or form, we are all going to know. Because we're all paying attention to each other. Right. Another part of Puritan belief is that everything has been predetermined. So whether you go to heaven or hell has already been predecided. There's nothing you can do in your life to change it. So everyone is constantly like looking at everybody else going like, hmm, wonder who's going to heaven. Oh, not that guy. Oh, for sure not her. She's real weird. So we were still gossipy, nosy. Yes. For the sake of the community. Obviously. I mean, mm -hmm. that's why I'm nosy. <laughs> So in Hartford in 1662, there's a little girl named Elizabeth Kelly, and she gets sick and she dies. And we don't know what happened. We don't know what caused it. Right after she dies, there's another young woman named Ann Cole who begins to have what is described as fits. 
Sometimes in periodic communities, that means seizures. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it could be a mental break. We don't know what this is because it's not fully detailed. It's just fits. She's having fits. Okay. So other people in the town start coming forward after one dies and one starts having fits and saying they are afflicted. So I'm going to tell you their complaints. And so these people are self-identifying and saying, something's wrong with me. Okay. So one woman came forward and said that Satan was causing her to speak with a Dutch accent. It's a very specific kind of bewitching. But remember, the Dutch were trying to steal our children away to their evil religions. So it makes sense why the Puritans would not want to be a Dutch person. Another one said that she had saw her neighbor transform into a large black hound. And several people reported seeing witches dancing with the devil in the woods at night. So it sounds like those people are hallucinating. Honestly, if I really didn't like someone, I could just be like, I saw them turn into a dog. (laughs) Yes. So we must have a witch. If all of these bad things are happening, there has to be a reason there's a witch. So between 1662 and 1663, 12 people are accused of witchcraft. And four are going to be executed. That's dark. It is dark. I don't have any funny commentary. The first person who's executed in America that we know of is in this Hartford group. And her name is Alice Young. In some sources, she's Elise Young. But we think it's just a misspelling of Alice. Okay. She's the first person in America to be convicted of witchcraft. And killed. And hanged. Yes. So we only have two sources. And one doesn't even mention her name. It just says a lady was hanged and the other one says elise young was hanged so and that's in 1647 well the the entries in the the notes from the town hall are but her her death was in may of 1647 okay so historians going back and pulling records from that town at the exact same time that all this is happening are aware that the death rate is four times higher than it should be so the people had a reason to be suspicious or on edge or think something's wrong something's not right most historians think that there was an outbreak of influenza but you can't see the flu and i can't touch it and i can't understand it in commercials (laughs) yeah but they didn't have those yeah so there's this unseen force killing people it must be witches yeah and you can see where that's a really convenient and almost like comforting Mm -hmm. explanation it's not that this horrible thing is happening that's outside of our control. It's witches. Right. And there's the person we can hunt and hang and... And solve the problem. Yeah. So the women in Connecticut that are accused and eventually killed are all going to present very like specific concerns to Puritan society. So some of them were single mothers. Some of them were widows. Some of them were older and didn't have any male heirs to pass land onto. Um, Some of them are known to not be regular church attenders, which is a grievous, grievous thing. And some of them are just plain outspoken. They're just a little mouthy. So all of those women. I wonder why. Right. There's nothing else going on. Some of them that are accused that aren't executed are banished from the town or exiled. And that is kind of a delayed execution. Yeah, because what are you going to do? And a lot of them end up getting killed by Native American tribes later. Because they moved out to the middle of nowhere and they had no defenses. I mean, at some point, if you're living alone in the wilderness, you kind of just become a witch. <laughs> so we're forcing them into at, witchcraft. At least in appearance. So this round of uh, 
I guess, witch hunts in Connecticut. It's pretty short-lived. It dies down basically when the flu stops, we think. But now, today, there's a, a movement by the descendants of those women that were killed to get pardons. Virginia's actually done this for a few people they accused of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. They've pardoned them, you know, 200 years later. But Connecticut isn't willing to do it yet. They actually had a bill in the Connecticut state legislature and it failed. So it's important to their families that that we publicly acknowledge. We made a mistake. Yeah. Why wouldn't we I do don't that? know. Obviously, they weren't witches. I don't know. I mean, it seems like this would be a very easy thing to pass. Just, uh, we're sorry. But no. Oh, okay. So then if we jump ahead to 1692, we can talk about Salem. So you know a little bit about Salem, right? I do. And so I will say most of what I know about the Salem witch trials, I know from reading The Crucible. Okay. Uh, Miller? Arthur Miller. Yes. Yes. So I think it is relatively historically accurate. When I say relatively, I don't think that it has everything and I don't think it's 100% true. But relative to most pieces of literature based on historical events, the names are the same uh, and the order of events, I think, is the same. Roughly, yes. And of course, The Crucible was written to highlight McCarthyism McCarthyism and the persecution of people believed to be communists. But it was a play about the Salem witch trials. So before we talk about Salem and witches, I want to tell you what's happening around Salem. Okay. So we had an outbreak of warfare with Indians. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of young men killed in those battles. Some of the people that have moved like barely outside of Salem, because Salem has grown to a town and a village. There are people that are living on the edge. They have witnessed Indian attacks firsthand. And some children have seen their parents scout. So we've had to push back into the village. Yeah. So we have an existential, real, physical threat. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, we also have um, competing land ownership claims mm-hmm. because both the town and the village are trying to claim certain territories. They're all Salem, mm-hmm. but there's a division there. And it's like the haves and the have-nots. So if you go and you plot who's accusing who, a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times it's across those divides. Interesting. So that's also important. All right. So just the facts of the case. In 1689, mm-hmm. Reverend Samuel Paris moves to Salem. I thought the reverend who did all of this was named Cotton Mather. No. Um, Cotton Mather is back in Boston. And Salem is like, I don't want to say a suburb, but like a suburb. Okay. Okay. So Reverend Paris is not anywhere to the same standing as Cotton Mather. Just not. Okay. So... In January of 1692, mm-hmm. his daughter and her cousin, who was living with them, okay. Abigail, both become ill. There's no real explanation for what's happening to them. Again, fits. Fits. Uh, one account says they were making, quote, foolish, ridiculous speeches. Mm-hmm. And, and they do have a fever. That's important. And they have a fever. And so the town's physician... Hold on. The Salem did not have a physician. We had to import one from Boston. And it took him like a month to get there. And he said they have, they're have they afflicted with witchcraft. Because I can't identify anything else. Gotta be witches. And they had no one to blame. So these girls have been touched by a witch or cursed by a witch, but we don't have anyone to blame as the witch. 
And after about a month, the fits spread to more girls, most of whom were between the ages of 12 and 19. The original girls were 9 and 11. Right. When pressed by adults, the original girls, Paris and Williams, named Good, Osborne, and Tituba. Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tituba. As those responsible for their afflictions. So part of the reason that they are going to name those people is that... Someone in the town suggests making a witch's cake. Have you ever heard of this? No. It's kind of like cornbread, but you make it with the urine of the afflicted. And then you feed it to a dog. And then supposedly once the dog consumes the witch's cake, the girls will be able to have a moment of clarity and tell you who is hurting them. I mean, that in and of itself sounds like witchcraft. It absolutely is. (laughs) So it is. The witch's cake is made, it's fed to these girls, and the first person they name is Tichuba. Okay, Tichuba is the slave for the Paris family, and she's the caretaker of the girls. So it makes sense if you have two sick little girls and they're calling out for somebody, they would call out for their caretaker. I mean, it makes sense to me. Yes, but she's the, she is a non-white person in the town who has absolutely no social capital or power or agency, and so she is the easiest person to blame as a witch. She's also from a different country. Well, that is up for debate. There are other sources that say she's Native American. Oh, I thought the sources say she was taken from either Barbados or South America. Yeah, and there's other sources that say that she's from a Native tribe. But she's a non... She's a non-white person. Puritan, non-white person, so she is an easy scapegoat, especially because she does have familiarity with these two original girls. Right. So she is arrested, basically. And they explain to Tichiba all of their ideas about witchcraft. Mm -hmm. And basically it's explained to her that if she can truly repent and become Christian, then she can live. So, yeah, of course she's going to do that because the other choice is go to your death as a witch. So the the two girls, the two other women who were named, Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne. Hold on, we're getting there. Okay. So part of the deal, though, that Tichiba didn't totally understand is that when she confessed to being a witch, she was going to have to name the people in her coven. So she's going to name the two other people that are also most ostracized from the Puritan community, which is Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne. Sarah Good in major debt after the death of her husband. She and her second husband were basically homeless and lived off of things that they begged for. And Sarah Osborne, in her 50s, Mm -hmm. which makes her basically elderly. Yes. And she was rumored to have had premarital sex with the man who'd eventually become her second husband. Yes. So so both of them are outside the sexual norms of the time? Yes. And there's also a a rumor that Sarah Good might have killed her first husband to get rid of him. And there's also financial concerns oh, yeah, here. Yeah. Neither of them have a lot of money. They can't They're a drain on the community. contribute as much financially. So they are three very vulnerable women and three women who don't fit the mold of the perfect Puritan. So when Tichiba names Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne, everyone sounds like, oh, yeah, totally. That makes complete sense. And they have absolutely, I mean, they can easily be discredited. So no matter what they say, nobody's likely to believe them. Exactly. So then this starts spreading to other girls, like you said. Oh, the original two girls were legitimately 
sick. They are having like legitimate seizures and they are having a high fever. After March, as it starts to spread, we stop seeing records of the fever. But we occasionally still see the records of the fits. But it seems like they are controlled fits. It only seems to happen when people are around. It doesn't ever seem to affect the girls when they're left alone. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's performative. Yes. Yeah. So in March, we have our first trials. I do want to say that they were not called Mrs. Good. They were called Goody Good, Goody Osborne, and Tituba. That's a shortening of Good Wife. And the Good Wife Osborne. So they are found guilty. Yes. And taken to jail. Yes. Um, As this spreads, we're going to have those accusations start flying back and forth. And the number of girls afflicted grows. As that number grows, more and more people are being accused. Mm -hmm. Rebecca Nurse is accused in March of 21. And this is a pretty important moment. Rebecca Nurse is a really well-respected woman in Salem. Mm -hmm. So for her to be accused, it was, whoa. Yeah. This is outside of the normal. Um, She's also going to be one of the first ones that there's a little bit of hesitation about. You know, everybody else, it seems like, yeah, of course, that person's a witch. Yeah. But she's the one where it's like, maybe this is out of control. Maybe these are not actually witches. Well, and so it speaks to that idea that you see people who aren't like you as less than you. Right. And there is a bit of, I mean, you have to dehumanize people in order to torture them, interrogate them, convict them of witchcraft and and execute them. And so when you get to a person who is like you, same social standing, maybe similar family to you, maybe lives close to you, it's harder to dehumanize them. Exactly. And so it starts to become a threat to you. If it could happen to Goody Nurse, then right. it could happen to me. And that is a something that happens through all time when we talk about witches. Not just Salem witches, not just literal witches, but it is easy for some people to dehumanize people in other groups. Right. In June, we have our first hanging. So once we start hanging, then we have crossed the point of no return. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have kind of a frenzy here. We also have one person who is not hung but is crushed to death. By boulders, and that person's a man, Corey Giles. He uh, refuses to give testimony, and so they laid him down and put like a, a wood piece over him, and they started piling boulders on him. And the goal of this is to get him to relent, to agree to be a witness. Mm-hmm. But he dies; he's crushed to death before he'll do it. So Salem is interesting in that way too. Mm-hmm. We see a, a real split that takes place in the town. Um, by October, we have some... Of 1692. Yes. Okay. Same year. We have some men from Boston that come to Salem, some reverends, because this is getting out of hand. Yeah, and it's starting to become very obvious to anyone outside of this town that it is mass hysteria. Yes. And there was 
they didn't listen to anything that the accused had to say. In fact, they stopped really even questioning them or letting them speak for themselves. And so it just it's escalating slowly. But it finally gets to a point where people outside the town of Salem looking in are like, we got to do something. Right. Yeah. And they're going to basically put an injunction on the witch trials. So nobody is released. Everyone's still going to stay in prison. But we're going to discontinue the trials until we can all cool down. If we've killed all the witches, Mm -hmm. then nothing else bad should happen in the town. And we should be able to let these people go. If bad stuff keeps happening, well, we haven't killed all the witches. We can resume. You're well, I mean, like, I mean a- it's it's life. Bad things are going to happen. Somebody's going to die. Somebody's going to fall down a well. Somebody's going to get sick. Somebody's horse is going to kick him in the face. I don't know. I mean, it's life. Right. But nothing else bad really happened. Okay. So the thought there is not like, oh, man, we killed people that weren't witches. The thought is we got them. We got the witches. And we just assume we stopped at the exact precise right time. Yes. There's no concern that we executed anyone wrongly. Although, I'll say it's really interesting that these, the main group of accusers, these little girls, they disappear from the Puritan records, which is so hard to do because the church records basically everything that happens in your life. Mm -hmm. So it seems like most of these little girls, when they grew up, did not get married. It seems like nobody wanted to bring them into their families. And there's one girl who I think is in her 20s. She goes before the church and she offers an apology for Salem. But what she says is that she's sorry that the devil lied to her. So not that she's sorry that she lied, but she's sorry the devil lied to her. But I think it's really interesting that we just lose these girls in the record. Yeah, and in in a lot of pop culture retellings, including The Crucible, the movie, Abigail Williams is portrayed to be like in her late teens, early 20s. And in reality, she's 11. 11. Yeah. So historians have kind of debated the reasons here for Salem. I'm just going to give you the top couple ones, okay? Okay. So the first one, and this is from Mary Beth Norton, talks about how this is a symptom of PTSD. We can't stop what's happening with these Native American tribes around us. Mm -hmm. But we can stop witches. So we're transferring our, our anxiety about actual physical concerns. Yeah. And we're taking it out on people we can actually stop. Mm-hmm. That's one theory. Um, there's a gender theory that these women, not women, that these little girls are accusing women who would be their competition to find husbands. Because as so many of the young men have died in the Indian Wars. Mm-hmm. That, well, if I kill off that wife, then when I grow up, I can have him as my husband. But I think that's pretty sophisticated for nine and 11 year olds yeah i mean maybe puritan kids are just much more analytical but i mean they did get married younger but i don't think that a nine-year-old was thinking about her future husband and knocking off the competition i mean that seems dramatic i do know that once it started to really ramp up women would start accusing each other because if i accuse you number one i can get rid of you And number two, I'm less likely to be seen as a witch because I'm helping find witches. Right. And then the third theory is that we have a case of tainted wheat, which (laughs) (laughs) I remember this. I'm familiar with it. It's just it's it's ridiculous. So we keep the wheat in a silo and there is a certain bacteria that grows on wheat if it's kept in a cold, wet, damp place that can cause 
basically it's LSD is what it is. So it can cause hallucinations. It could cause seizures. It could cause a fever. The problem is we all keep our grain in the same place. So if we're making bread from this grain, how did only two little girls get sick? Why isn't the whole town having originally mm-hmm. a mass delusion? Why is it only these two little girls? Mm-hmm. So that theory also kind of has some holes. But, I mean, really, we're never going to know. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that historians do. We just sit around and argue about stuff pretty constantly. And there was smallpox, right? Oh, yeah. Const- so- constantly. <laughs> yep. So there is a lot of... And and not a lot of understanding of smallpox either. So back to that whole, we don't have a lot of scientific knowledge. And so a lot of things are blamed on God or the devil. And when they asked Tichuba to confess, she says, I'm a witch. These other two are witches too. And they ask her, I mean, these very detailed questions about signing the devil's book. But they also kind of lead her. Yeah. Didn't you do da-da-da-da-da? Where did all those ideas come from? Like dancing in the woods with the devil, signing your name in the devil's book. Where do all those ideas come from? The Hammer of the Witches. Okay. Which a lot of that is folklore, you know, that has become now part of this standard okay. guide that we use. <laughs> yeah. And, and those are things that still persist today. I mean, I mean, in... Something else we didn't talk about. We probably should, though. What? Women are seen as more susceptible to witchcraft because of original sin. Yeah. Like Eve took the apple, la, la, la. Uh, But also, women were known to have this uncanny power over men to get them to do what they want. So obviously, they are likely to be witches. Because a regular woman can lean towards uncanny abilities to manipulate a man. Right. Not that men are just trying to impress women. I will say, I think that the witch hunts basically were always about women threatening the power of men. That's why the most marginalized women were picked off first. First. Yeah. The nine traits that could mark someone as potentially tighter with the devil. The first of them is you're female. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Another is that you have low social status, that you're stubborn or contentious. Related to someone suspected of witchcraft. But if you are of low social status, that means people related to you are also more likely to be of low social status. A person with few or no children. Someone who's accused of of theft or slander. Also a woman that was not able to produce a male child. If all your children children are daughters, that could be a sign that you're a witch. And of course, if someone else said you were a witch. Right. (laughs) Of course. So really being marginalized marked you as untrustworthy. Not having children made you suspicious because people thought that was contagious, being childless. Well, because that's what a woman's duty to God was. Or or people thought you don't have children, you must be jealous of my children, and you must try be to harm them. trying to attack my family. Yes. Being dependent on your neighbor. So the women who were poor or virtually homeless or who had to beg for food or shelter that caused people to resent them and that made them witches. Here's the best way we can get rid of the poor people. Just say (laughs) they're witches and then we can hang them in the street. But also if you're incredibly wealthy and you don't have any male heirs, if I accuse you of being a witch and I'm your neighbor, I can maybe take some of your land. Or at least the town or the church could have it and we can all benefit from it. Mm -hmm. 
So without husbands to defend them, single women and widows were likely to be picked off. Um, They're more likely, and also single women are more likely to be reliant on their neighbors. Right. And especially in the Puritan times, because you do have to like plow the fields and that's hard manual labor. Yeah. And it's, even if the women were capable of doing it, if they'd have got out there and plowed the fields themselves, that's probably sign your witch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> so there was a lot of resentment and a lot of um, challenges so in social structure, but really it's always been about women who were not following the social script. I fall, mean, fighting the patriarchy, yeah. either because of life circumstance involuntarily or because, like you said, they were stubborn. Mm-hmm. They were mouthy. They were voluntarily, actively trying to fight against the patriarchy. And so in this case, it's witchcraft and witch trials. But in the next generation, it's something else. Right. So you going to tell us about the crucible? So I, I, I will admit I have a very hard time separating what I know historically about Salem witch trials and what I read in the crucible. But like I said, luckily, the crucible is pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. It is to blame for our conception of Abigail Williams as being older than she was. She's played by Winona Ryder in the movie, if you remember it. Yeah. Most movie and TV shows about witches, even ones that come on today... They say that they're descendants of Salem witches. Huh. Okay. So obviously that's just kind of a silly thing to do. But it does also suggest that those women were really witches, which, of course, we now know we got that, them, that they weren't. No, that's why bad stuff stopped happening. We got them. Like Sabrina okay. is a descendant of the Salem witch. Oh, okay. She also at some point has to sign her name in the Devil's Black Book. Oh. In the show. I didn't know that. Yeah. That seems dark. You should watch some Sabrina. Not the old Sabrina. The new oh, Sabrina. Oh, I was thinking like, the, like Clarissa explains it all, Serena. No, the I new Sabrina. I was like, that's Sabrina. really dark. Uh, Charm, the craft, true blood. They all have witches who are descendants of Salem witches. Hocus Pocus. Oh, the yeah. The very fun classic movie that everybody loves takes place in Salem. And these are witches from the Salem witch trial. I will say I do like this movie and I watch it not every year, but I watch it a lot. I've seen it many times. Are you familiar with this movie? I haven't seen it in a few years, but I know the basic plot. It's delightful and it's fun, right? Yes. We remember it. We have a great sense of nostalgia for it. It's about women who were hanged for killing children. Well, when you say it that way. Who come back to life because they want to eat children. Yeah, but they also ride vacuums like brooms, and that's fun. None of the adults in this movie believe anything the children say. Well, that's pretty standard for kid movies. And all the adults are way too into their own socializing. Like, their Halloween party is the only time they get to socialize. So they just don't even supervise their children, who, again, are under threat of being killed by witches known for killing and eating children. And this is from a, the, a website called the Mary Sue blog. Hocus Pocus is one of the many films that takes witches, the symbol of female power, of the unknowable and socially unacceptable, and makes them the stars while keeping them the villains. So, I mean, I think it's an interesting movie, but 
they are supposed to be Salem witches. And so we have this whole pop culture legacy in our country of Salem witches being really witches, even though we know that they weren't. And so, yes, that is the point of the crucible is that none of these people were witches and that it was all social strife, families in competition with each other, people trying to attack marginalized people. But in the end of the play, really what it turns into is an examination of how I would accuse you to save myself. Right. Or because you're already someone I don't like. Mm -hmm. And that's where it becomes a commentary on McCarthyism, because that's what's happening with people naming other communists as a way to get yourself off of the bad list. Right. Yeah. And he can't write that play in the 1950s because he'd get on the bad list. Exactly. So he wrote a play about the Puritans. The other thing is Nathaniel Hawthorne's ancestors. Scarlet Letter? Yes. Okay. Persecuted witches in Salem. Oh, good. One of the ministers in the Crucible and in the actual historical Salem witch trials, his last name is Hawthorne. It is spelled differently. Nathaniel Hawthorne changed the spelling of his own name because he wanted to disassociate himself oh, that's interesting. from the Salem witch trials. Huh. While we were doing this research, I found out that the term witch hunt wasn't actually really common until like the 1880s. Yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, I just figured they called it a witch hunt because they were hunting witches back in the day. Nope. Yeah, no, it is. It is. They, they invented the term or started using the term to refer to what we unfairly did to witches. Yes. The term has always meant an unfair persecution. Right. As a result of kind of hysteria. Yes. So we do have a few other times in history that people were accused of witchcraft and convicted, but I don't want to get into them because they're not that interesting. Okay. But there is one in 18, 1833. A man is accused of witchcraft in Tennessee. 1833. Yeah. It's, so it's a little bit later and it's a man in Tennessee. There's not a whole lot in the record about it, but just this man randomly gets accused, which I think is super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so the term is supposed to refer narrowly now yes. to actual practitioners of Wiccan, of the Wiccan religion. Is that right? The term witch? Yes. Yes. That's what it's supposed to mean. Yes. Where do we get the idea that they wear black hats and ride on broomsticks? I don't know. I'm not sure where that developed. Unless it's just a misremembering of how Puritans dressed. If we get all of these ideas from Salem. Because it's not too far I'm off. very fascinated by the broom. Because it is a symbol of domesticity. Right. But it has been used as a symbol of power. So it's taking a very domestic item and then turning it into... Right, like women should be using a broom to sweep. Instead, if you're a witch, you use it to fly around. Hmm. I don't know. I would have to do more research. I can let you know next week. Please do. Okay, I'll look up all the symbology of witches. So, very infrequent accusations of witchcraft after the Salem witch trials. Yes. Because... I think the Salem witch trials went so over, above, and beyond what anybody thought was going to happen. Yeah. That there is this pullback. It's almost like the, the pendulum swings the other way. And also, we're about to get into the revolutionary era. So just quite frankly, we have other things to worry about, which is our less of a concern now than King George. I see. So 
what's kind of been interesting in doing some of this research is that in the modern era, we actually do have people self-identifying as either witches or as practicing Wicca. There are more Wiccans and more people who identify as witches than we maybe knew about. There are a lot of people who identify as Wiccan or as witches, and it is a modern pagan religion. There is no central church, Wiccan authority or Wiccan church. It is... So it's like a self-study? I mean, you can join groups okay. and study together. Um, something that you might find interesting is military bases have to honor all religious faiths. Right. That's why they have chaplains mm-hmm. instead of preachers or pastors. And so people of all faiths go to the chapel to worship and have fellowship. There are places on military bases that are designed for Wiccans to practice or observe their religion. That's cool. They're just like benches kind of in a wooded or nature area. Um, And I don't want to get into what pagan Wiccans believe. But yeah, they are, I guess, real life modern day. How many would you say that we have? At least a million, maybe two million. Yeah, it's way more than I thought. Yeah. I guess now, though, it's safer to say that because nobody's going to round you up and try to burn you. (laughs) I mean, I would say I don't know how many people are actual practicing members of the Wiccan religion, Uh but there are millions of people who self-identify as witches, either aesthetically, personally, because they associate with Wicca or because they just associate with those kind of patriarchy resisting tendencies or because they like to dress like witches. Yeah. So yeah. I guess it's like a rejection of the modern form of patriarchy. Or yeah. And a re- reclaiming of the word. Like it used yeah, to be a word, word of female empowerment. Yeah, exactly. And that's really what we're going to talk about in our next episode is that idea of witches We do have some book recommendations if you are interested in the Salem Witch Trials. And these are all nonfiction book recommendations. So, Missy. I have a a historical one. Really like them. So, Marilyn Roach is from Salem or from a town near Salem. She's from Massachusetts. And she's written a lot. And she's made lots of presentations about Salem and the Witch Trials. She has a book called Six Women of Salem. And that's really the first book that focuses on the lives of women. And so she takes six women as a representative sample of the larger crisis of the Salem witch trials and really tries to examine what led up to it and what their lives were really like and how they were treated. Then she has another book called The Salem Witch Trials, A Day-by-Day Chronicle of a Community Under Siege, where she really steps us through that whole, like, May to October of that year. If you want to read a a different view of Salem, In the Devil's Snare by Mary Beth Norton talks about all of those external forces and PTSD that can be one reason that Salem happened. Now, she's not saying it's the definitive reason, but this is her speculation. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Misty, what's next in your lady life? Next in my lady life is prepping my house for Halloween. 
You going to do a lot of decorations? My daughter has decided that we need to go all out. So we're having to go. You're just letting the four year old decide things. I am. I'm just I'm giving up. Okay. She can make all the choices. I bought a Halloween wreath. That's it? Yeah. I'm surprised your house isn't like decked out. You think I am a witch, don't you? I just figured your mom would buy you things. Uh, I do. Ha- I did buy a Halloween wreath. And we do. I mean, we have a big pumpkin with our initial on it in the front yard. But most of the houses on our street aren't built yet. So we're not expecting. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. A lot of people to trick or treat. Thank you for listening to this episode of Profess Hers, our podcast about seeing movies, culture, and history through our lady eyes. I'm Misty, and my favorite witch is Ursula. The sea witch. The sea witch. And I'm Allegra. My favorite witch is Wanda Maximoff. I don't even know that one. It's the Scarlet Witch from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We'd love to hear from you what you thought about today's episode, what you'd like us to discuss in future episodes, or how great you think we are. To connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at ProfessHers, P-R-O-F-E-S-S-H-E-R-S, or by email, same address, ProfessHers at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who has been listening, commenting, liking, and reviewing our podcast. Please keep doing all those things, and we hope you recommend our podcast to a friend or a member of your coven. And remember, witches be crazy. Anne Boleyn? She was not. I swear to God, I just Googled famous witches and she's number two. Yeah, but she wasn't ever accused of witchcraft. It was incest.